0: Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi, and today we're going to be talking about the gibbering there? Okay, so let's start off as we often do with the first edition ad d Monster Manual 2. In the Monster Manual 2, the gibbering mother is described as an amoeboid form of life with many eyes and mouths that apparently lies in wait with those eyes and mouths closed, looking like a piece of earth. With its only motivation being to catch and eat its prey. It inhabits cold and underground regions. And it sort of moves by like oozing and sliming its way along. It's got an AC of 1. Now remember this is descending armour class. So that's pretty damn good. Because it can only be really injured by hitting the brain. Which is in the centre of this gelatinous Mm -hmm. mass. The gibbering mouth has spit that bursts into a flare if it strikes a hard surface, and the flash from it can blind people. It can latch on with its many mouths and drain blood slash hit points from its target. If three or more mouthers are attached to a person, they must make a roll to see if they are dragged down and engulfed by the mouthers. They can incoherently gibber, Causing confusion in anyone within a six-inch radius, unless they save versus spell. A mouther warms the ground under it and can change its consistency, turning it into a quicksand sort of boggy-like texture. The artwork, as is typical of this book, is black and white, and it shows a jelly-like blob studded with eyes and mouths. Now. We're not going to go through all the various um, monster manuals with this one because it, they're all pretty much the same. So we're going to skip straight from 1st edition to 5th edition. So, Love, why don't you tell us about the Gibbering Mowther in 5th edition?
1: Well, it's a very similar creature. Yeah. Uh, one of the most similar across the editions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's... A bit slicker in the way it's presented this time. We've got three specific abilities called Amoeboid Form, uh-huh. which is about it being able to like ooze around and stick its mouths out on tentacles. Yep. Um it's got mouths of madness, which is the confusion sort of power that it had before. And the confusion powers similar in that you're rolling a dice to see what effect it's gonna have on you wisdom saving throw this time and what sort of effects might happen when you roll uh so you roll a d8 one to four you just stand paralyzed okay five or six uh take no action uh uses all its move to move in a random direction yeah on a seven or eight. Uh, you can make a melee attack against a randomly determined creature within your reach or do nothing if you can't make such an attack ok so you randomly turn around and attack your mates or anything else around yeah which I suppose could include the monster but it's not that bothered because it's got such an amazing armour class Okay. so 9 in this version
0: which is obviously ascending armour class that's, yep. that's not that's not that amazing I don't know why Juman's got an AC of 10 alright oh, I presume she's got a scab load of hit points mm,
1: uh, yeah 67 on average
0: yeah so obviously what they've done in this edition is you're more likely to hit it but it can soak a lot more damage so mm-hmm. it's, it's getting the same result just with a slightly different game mechanic really Mhm. so what does it have any other interesting powers aside from causing people to get mad with its so
1: we've also got uh all consuming as one of the titles in the description. Okay. Um as in it's going to try and eat anything it can. Nice. Uh I notice this time it is just eating organic material, I think. Oh no, it also liquefies stone and eats that.
0: See, I don't don't know whether it eats it. I think it just sort of, like, dissolves it, was the impression I got from the first edition. Like, it's almost as though, like, it's such, like, a mad thing that it, like, warps reality and, like, stone becomes all, like, malleable. See, it stood out to me that in the first edition
1: it said it's a animal, vegetable or mineral.
0: Like like the baby-eating bishop of Barton (laughs) Wells.
1: But I think it's i think as you say it's not going to be eating base stone and just dirt it's going to be stripping that of plant life yeah it's possibly going to be eating like the more complex minerals so maybe you get called to a dwarf mine because the seams run dry and they know that there was gold here before and now it's gone um
0: or maybe they're having a problem like some of their tunnels have suddenly become impassable and they're like quicksand like floors mm. and stuff like that well yeah just having an infestation of this
1: in a mine would make for a really good like adventure you could have a couple of miners trapped that you've got to go and save you could have some other reason for yeah the party to go in there but it would make for quite a good monster and quite a few traps that are very much in character with what's yeah. going on like you say falling rocks
0: quicksand see it strikes me now um, that one of the things that useful for. useful one of the things I like to do in my games is if the players go to like a dungeon and they like go away and they do all the stuff and then they come back to that same dungeon later on I've got like a little table where I like roll on it to find out like what's changed in the dungeon. So it could be like, oh, a monster's left, part of it's flooded, another monster's arrived and taken over, or stuff like that. And one of the entries I've got on that is that some sort of creature has made like extra tunnels or extra rooms and expanded the dungeon. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me among all the obvious ones like purple worms and stuff like that that the gibbering maw would be a good one. Flat, and you could have some quite bizarre sort of formed additional sort of caverns and tunnels because it had like liquefied the stone while it was like oozing through it mm-hmm. so i think that's pretty cool one of the things i have noticed and th- this is a bit weird and we'll get onto this in a minute when we talk about um dragon magazine 160 is the the artwork sort of portrays it in this sort of like shoggoth like uh horrific sort of vibe
1: it looks very shoggoth yeah
0: oh and again we'll talk a bit about that it did in the first edition as well but um one of the things that strikes me about it is obviously we know like shoggoths are from the the cthulhu mythos and they're sort of supposed to be these horrific creatures and the gibbering mothers they can drive people mad and stuff like that one of the things that strikes me is that aside from the fact they can like drive you mad with the gibbering they're not particularly like horrific i mean they look unpleasant but you know, they're not exactly mind bending horrors from Beyond the Outer to Darkness. I dunno, love, I think maybe you've been desensitized a bit by the vast
1: number of Jeffrey Coombs movies we've watched over the years.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> well it seems as though it's not only me who was thinking that because as we move on to talk about um, Dragon magazine 160 which was obviously around in the sort of d second edition era they did an article called ecology of the jubbering Mather." it was written by nigel d findley oh yeah the
1: ecology of articles they were really good
0: yeah and it had some really cool like sort of black and yellow artwork and it had this nice catchy tagline on it which said all talk but no brains and a bottomless appetite to boot and i like that as like a sort of catchy mm-hmm. tagline unfortunately for me and this is just personal preference the article like a lot of these ecology articles consisted mostly of a massive piece of like in character fiction with a few footnotes and i'm i'm not really a lover of the the in character fiction as you know i don't mind a little bit sprinkled at the start of a chapter but like a whole article of it it you know if i want to read a story i can pick up a storybook that's absolutely grand but that is just personal preference listeners so don't don't be like giving me too much about that however the footnotes are actually really cool and they give a lot of additional info like uh mouthers they have this pungent smell that can be smelled up to 20 feet away which can give them away Um, it confirms as well that mouthers drain blood and nutrients from the victims and it says that when the victims fall into a coma they dissolve like the outer body tissue but they sort of keep the central nervous system brain eyes and mouth alive and sort of incorporate that into their own mass so hence they get extra eyes and mouths mm-hmm. now since the, the victim has never technically died they can't be resurrected they can't be contacted via speak with dad or raised or anything like that now inevitably the ordeal drives the mind of the victim completely insane when they're incorporated into the gibbering mouther. but but like I say, it the originally it didn't seem to be a very horrific creature for me, whereas this article, like, for me mm-hmm. really ramps up the horror vibe. Because I cannot think of anything more horrific than like watching your own body dissolve and then knowing that you've become part of the creature, but you're so like addled by what's happened that you then become this creature that Mm -hmm. sort of goes on to like kill other people in the same horrible way you die so it certainly seems like the author of the article was trying to like ramp up the horror vibe as well and i expect they were sort of like thinking oh yeah it's a bit shock off like you know we'll ramp up a bit we also get told that the gibbering mother doesn't need to breathe we're told it can eat anything so again back to Mm -hmm. what we said earlier and it reproduces by division like an amoeba yeah it secretes a corrosive substance that apparently causes 1d4 hit point damage to anyone who touches them. And I think this is just a bit of an expansion of the stone sort of warping power. And like I said, after sort of first edition AD Monster Manual 2, it seems clear that the Gibbering Mather was leaning more into that horror trope of like things like Lovecraft, you know, like films like mm-hmm. The Thing, which is what this also reminds me of you know this sort of amorphous blob like creature although when we get to fifth edition that seems to have been very much played down and i can understand why they do that i expect it was a commercial decision Because obviously they're trying to sell the game to as many people as possible. So they can't put too too much stuff in that's going to be controversial or overtly horrific. So I can see why they did that. But I do think it's a shame because the more it was built on, the more of an interesting sort of creature it became.
1: Mm. See, it's not that you couldn't use any of that. It's just that they haven't provided a game mechanic for
0: it. Oh yeah, and I mean don't get me wrong, for 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 people like me who've been reading Dragon for like ages and know the old editions and whatever, I'd just be even if I was in the likelihood that I was running fifth edition, I'd be like, Yeah, I'd just use some of my earlier knowledge. But I think it's a shame that I expect there's a lot of people who maybe have started playing D and D now who wouldn't think to go and look at old Dragon magazines, or wouldn't be able to get hold of them. So they wouldn't have that sort of knowledge. And now, they may bring out 5th edition books later on. You know, like in 3rd edition, they had the Book of Aberrations, which expanded on stuff like that. And I expect they'll get round to that sort of thing in 5th edition eventually. But until then, the actual default, sort of just, base standard 5th edition version, just doesn't really seem that interesting. It's a big blob of jelly with some eyes and a mouth thing, you know. It's unpleasant, it's got a big stack of hit points, but...
1: See... The confusion power, the massive loads of noise, I get why that's horrible, but I have to switch the TV off if you want to talk to me because I can't listen to both at the same time. I'm all about that multitasking. (laughs) You'll have, like, six different things on and two of them running at
0: double speed (laughs) and you'll be able to follow all of it. Okay, so we mentioned earlier there was a link with Lovecraft and... Sort of shog off well, yeah. a link in our minds. And I'd like to start off, if I can, with a quote from At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft that describes them. This is how the quote goes It was a terrible, indescribable thing, vaster than any subway train, a, shi- a shapeless congery of protoplasmic bubbles faintly self-luminous and with myriads of temporary eyes forming and unforming and lovecraft describes them as massive amoeba like creatures made out of this iridescent black slime multiple eyes floating on the surface they don't have a default body shape they can form limbs and organs and um, they, sort of, they tend to measure about 15 feet across um, the story at the mountains of madness mentions the existence of much bigger ones and they can take on any shape needed the so Cthulhu Mythos commonly portrays them as somewhat intelligent and uh, having been created by the extraterrestrial elder things as a, like sort of mutable workforce cuz they could adapt their body to any situation or tool that was required but eventually they became more and more intelligent they rebelled and the elder things were sort of like overthrown by them so i can see that you've got um, my older uh, copy of the D20 Call of Cthulhu version there so you got anything to say about that?
1: So, obviously, it's got slightly different special abilities, but they're not that different from the Gibbering Mouthers' abilities. Yeah. Uh, again, they prefer cold caves, tunnels, the abandoned city of the Elder Things in Antarctica. Yeah. Um, again, they can cause you to go mad. The big difference, I would say, is that the Shoggoth is a hell of a lot bigger Uh, average 465 hit points strength 45 it's a lot slower yeah dex of 3 but it is considerably more intelligent than the gibbery mouther Mm -hmm. with an intelligence of 7
0: well the thing is i mean that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. having more hit points but being slower because let's face it in a call of cthulhu game even like a d21 you're less likely to be like busting out those mad combat abilities and like going toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with it you're more likely to be like all oh, right i'm running the f away from that yeah it's very much suits
1: the game style for each one of them the way if you were to consider it the same monster, the way it's been tweaked in each one. Yeah. If you wanted to combine them, the simple way to do it would be to say, oh, if you cut a small bit off a Shoggoth before it gets big enough to be a Shoggoth, it's a gibbering mother."
0: Yeah, and I mean... i I don't know this and i mean if anyone out there knows feel free to like drop us a voicemail and tell us it certainly seems to me as though when they created the jubilee (laughs) mouth they probably read some lovecraft and they were like right we want something that's a bit like this however we can't make it the sort of all-consuming destroyer that it is in *At the mountains of madness because (laughs) it's a where people are supposed to be able to take on monsters kill them get the treasure get the xp etc so they've sort of yeah. tweaked it a bit they've adapted it a bit they made it a bit harder to kill but you know you can actually take on things like that in a mm game mm-hmm.
1: so on the thought of like combining old style D D dungeon crawl sort of stuff and yeah. cthulhu sort of stuff i can see there you've got the realms of crawling chaos
0: yeah, I mean, this is a, a Labyrinth Lord, which is one of the, the sort of old school D and D clones um, book by Goblinoid Games, and it's all about um, incorporating Lovecraftian elements into like a dark fantasy game. So adapting mm-hmm. it for D and D a little bit. And we've got an entry for the Shogoth in here. It describes them as 15-foot blobs of viscous iridescent jelly, originally created by the Elder Things. Initially, they had very little intelligence of their own. They were genetically engineered artificial life forms designed to be laborers for the Elder Things society and could be commanded mentally. They can form pseudopods of various tasks and other temporary organs or limbs. They're equally at home, above or below water. After many thousands of years, they evolved a stable brain of their own and rebelled against their masters. Now they live in dark, hidden places, grotesquely aping a degenerate form of their previous master's culture they're in a constant state of change with eyes mouths and other organs forming and dissolving they can attack each round with two powerful pseudopods for 2d4 hit point damage each they have a swallow attack and any being swallowed must save versus death or be killed instantly otherwise victims are like well, if you make the save mm-hmm. victims are digested in 2d4 rounds they can emit poisonous spittle with a range of 20 feet which just make a save will be blinded permanently which the gibbering mouther has sharp weapons do only half damage to shoggoths and they're immune to all cold based attacks however fire or heat deals double damage they're described as chaotic evil they've got an armor class of four which again descending armor class is pretty good and we can again see here that this this version which is specifically designed to be used with old school DD, is very very similar to the gibbering mouth and obviously this is a version of the shogoth that's been adapted because the point of stuff in realm of crawling chaos is to like adapt lovecraftian stuff for dark fantasy games or like DD games where you're more likely to confront monsters than mm-hmm. run away like you might do in call of cthulhu or something like that so i think we're probably along the right tracks with like gibbering mouth as being like a sort of a shogoth that's been taken and sort of twisted and ironically like molded a bit to fit the the mores of the dnd game
1: and quickly glancing over its uh, stats in this yeah it's pretty much halfway in between the call of cthulhu d20 and
0: exactly yeah okay so we've chatted a bit about them in various different books so let's just talk for for a little bit about how you might use gibbering mountains in games now i think this is a paradoxical monster for me because i find them both fairly uninteresting as I said as they're initially sort of portrayed but when you add in some of this additional information or when you sort of refer to Lovecraft they suddenly become much more interesting and great horror monsters
1: I think it's one of those monsters that makes for a really good backdrop to a drama sort of a story mm. so yeah. you need this could be a really good monster to use if you've got conflict with your player party and you want them to like have a bit of time to talk it out or if one of them's had, like, some plot element kicking off and you want to let them have a bit of melodrama of, like, things going on in their characters' lives with a gibbering malva somewhere in the story
0: so that there's a monster to fight. Yeah. But it's not yeah. really important to the story itself. Yeah. see see, I've sort of gone the opposite way in my thinking about it I was thinking it'd be like amazing for a horror scenario but obviously like with most horror scenarios there's a few things you've got to sort of think about to like get the best out of them like you know show the effects that the monsters had on the surroundings and other people rather than like just showing the monster itself you know keeping the monster off screen for as long as possible so you can build up the suspense and then you know when your final confrontation happens describe the monster in vague terms using words that convey a sense of unpleasantness and horror like icker, dripping um, ichthoate which is just begun or not fully formed and you know because if you just sort of say it's a gibbering mother you say it's this blob with like eyes and mouths on it it doesn't convey the sort of horror you would feel if you were seeing something like that so you have i think you have to get a little bit creative with your language and your description certainly avoid using the creature's name but if you can show the sort of horrible effects it has and how it's warped the environment it's driven people mad then you can really build up that suspense by the time the players face it they will be worried about it and scared about it
1: This is something where it might actually be beneficial to be doing a Zoom game Mm. for a creature like this because there is nothing you can describe in ten minutes that you can't sum up by putting three seconds of a John Carpenter movie on the screen and saying, your players see this and letting people get on with it from there.
0: I mean, another thing you could do as well is, if you had, like, a a load of samples of, like, recorded voices or conversations, you could, like, play sort of, like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 of them together Mm -hmm. at once. So you get like a mad sort of indistinct babble of voices. You could have that queued up when you're running your virtual tabletop or whatever as a sound file. Have it like played a couple of times, but they don't actually see the monster. So they'll be like, oh, what the hell's that? You know, have it quietly in the background. They hear it from just around the corner or whatever. Then when it does show it, you play it like really loudly and then you go into like the the horrible description of it. And that, any sort of extra sort of sensory... Mm -hmm sort of information you can get, whether it's sound files, like a picture or whatever, has gotta be a good thing. Especially with like a horror creature where you're trying just not to show him a picture of it because let's face it we've looked at pictures from multiple editions here and none of the pictures are scary yeah whereas this this sort of horrible description and this incoherent babbling is much more unsettling like you're never going to fully sort of like terrify your players when you're all sat around comfortably playing DD but if you can make people feel unsettled and worried obviously within limits you don't make anyone uncomfortable enough that they're not enjoying the game then you're sort of You're at least halfway there towards that goal, and it will really help add to the horror scenario. And obviously,
1: we are also getting into the territory of make sure your players are going to enjoy that sort of a game.
0: Yeah, obviously, yeah.
1: As we always do with horror games of any sort.
0: Yeah, although to be honest, personally, I do think if you if you run a horror game and then someone complains about having horrifying elements in it, that that, that's a bit TS t- for but them but we to are honest. talking about
1: using this in the D yeah, as think, well I and it's you... great to have an occasional horror session yeah, in yeah. any story Yeah. but you need to make sure you're picking the right monsters for the right players.
0: Yeah, I think if you if you if you were just gonna suddenly like switch gear to like a horror scenario in a D and D game, as you say, you probably need to check that with your players because they might have signed up for some like fun fantasy dungeon crawling and maybe like the horror vibes not what they're after. Which obviously you can use a gibbering are in. A standard like dungeon crawl or fantasy style game, but I don't really think it plays to the creature's strength. But as you say, Mm -hmm. if you're going to switch gear and do like a horror session or two, you need to check that everyone's okay with that. If they didn't originally sign up for a horror game, so I think that's it for our episode on the gibbering mother. Apologies, we've got it out a little bit late, but the poll is up for our next monster on Twitter. So check that out and get your votes in. It'll be up for the next two days as we post this if you'd like to get in touch with us maybe chat about the gibbering mother make some suggestions of things you'd like to see in the future or just talk about anything else related to rpgs there's a couple of ways you can get in touch with us one of which is to leave a voicemail using the speak website there's a link down below and the other is you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun. Bye.